Hey everybody, we're back with a new episode of Working It Out. It's our 50th. It is our 50th episode. Uh, thanks for being part of this wild, wild experiment that I did not see coming. I did not think that we would be <laughs> a year later from mid-June 2020 on our 50th episode of Working It Out. It's because of you, and it's because of uh, people like our guest today, uh, Kate Micucci, who I adore, one of the most creative people I've ever encountered. Uh, she and I collaborated on the film uh, Don't Think Twice, um, and uh, you may know her from Big Bang Theory. You may know her comedy duo Garfunkel and Oates, which I love. I couldn't recommend their stuff more highly. She is a, a visual artist and cartoonist. Uh, if you look at her stuff uh, on Instagram, it's at Kate Micucci. I'm going to post some of it on my Instagram at or Biggs. A lot of the stuff that she works out in terms of material today is visual and they're, they're, they're cartoons. So I'm going to post those and I think she's going to post some of those as well. It is a really uh, personal episode. We're, we're close friends. It gets, she's a new mom. We talk about really personal stuff and, uh, and sensitive stuff and, and, and uh, deep things. But we also just goof around Kate's one of the funniest people I know and the silliest people I know. We have a great time. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with the great Kate Micucci. I was preemptively going to name this episode Don't Think Thrice, which is what we always call the hypothetical yeah. sequel of Don't Think Twice, the movie that you and I were in together. Uh, but you know what's so funny about our relationship, and this relates to this, a lot of creatives listening to this show, and and like one of the things that's interesting about yours and my relationship is that I wrote Don't Think Twice, and then the character that you ended up playing, uh, I wrote as a playwright. And she wrote all these plays that thematically have to do with sort of like coming to the end of the road and and sort of like being at an existential crossroads kind of thing. And then you and I met over Zoom, basically, and we started talking about, this was years ago, 2015, when I was casting the movie, and, I, and, then I, and then you seemed really into doing the movie, and I seemed really into having you in the movie, and then I was looking at your amazing drawings online, and then I, set, I floated this idea to you, which was, what if instead of being a playwright, this character was writing a graphic novel. Would you use your own drawings? And you were like, sure, yeah. And then it became, it's, it took on its own yeah, life. Yeah, one of my most proud things is that I drew the cartoon on the on the crew sweatshirts. <laughs> so that was, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But I, yes. uh, yeah, that was so cool for me to be able to share, you know, my drawings and put it into the movie like, like you did. Like, that was such a cool thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that just sort of was a serendipitous, it kind of just worked out. Um, I feel like that's one of the things that I love about small films. And not that I don't like big films. Big films, I think, sometimes are incredible. When they work, they really work. But small films, like one of my favorite movies is the movie Once. Yeah. And the reason why I love it so much is that, you know, <laughs> they are a musical duo. Yeah. Or they were a musical duo for so many years. And so when you film that and you put it into a narrative structure, it just comes to life in this way. And so this, I, similarly, I feel the way about your cartooning is like, 
you put your cartoons into this pre-existing script and there's a synergy to it where you're like, I don't even know if this, this might be, you know, this might be a documentary for all <laughs> yeah. we know. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it feels real because it's real. Like I, I'm, I just love when there are moments in movie, like you're saying, like there are so many things where that was a real thing. I was, well, well what I, what, what I would say about it is like in big studio films, it's like, let's say a movie's like budgeted $60 million and I'm directing the movie and it's like, and I'm directing, I'm like, I, Kate is in the movie. Can I use Kate's drawings? And they, it would go to an agent or something and they'd be like, that costs $1 million. <laughs> You're like, okay, so we have $59 million to now spend on this movie. No. <laughs> right. So, so, so then it becomes this weird thing where like with an independent film, the budget is so transparent because it's so small that like everyone knows that no one's making a million dollars. So it literally becomes a question of like, do you want to have that be part of the movie or not? And if not, no big deal. And if you do, great. But we're not going to pay you because we, the movie, no one's making any money. I mean, money. I think that's the spirit of of smaller movies. And I mean, I it's like, I'll, you said something when we were making Don't Think Twice that I always remember where you said, no matter how much I do and how much I work and like, I still feel like I'm just going to be changing my clothes in a church bathroom. And- Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, Yes. Which is where we yeah. would change, and it's like that's so true. Because we didn't have tra- yeah. we didn't have trailers, we didn't have anything. So yeah, the changing rooms would be like, you know, church bathrooms or like a local like YMCA. You just do whatever, or whatever you need is. to do, and it's like that spirit is. Uh, it's I love it. It's the you know it's like very exciting. I mean, yes, it's exciting to also have a trailer, but like it's really exciting to try to like you know make do with what you got. <sighs> yeah, we had so much fun making that movie, and like. I think that's why, like, first of all, that's why it was fun to see Keegan oh host Aaron live. Oh my gosh, that live. was wild. <laughs> it was so exciting. Was that trippy? <laughs> it was great. Because it's, of course, the plot point, ma- major plot point in Don't Think Twice is that Keegan is cast on our doppelganger version of Saturday Live, which is called Weekend Live and Don't Think Twice. And then just to see him host, it was very surreal. That was just such a special time. Like, those few months working on that movie with you, oh, my gosh. Like, running around New York. Like, oh, I mean, you know I love stealing shots. And we were in the subway, and we're dressed in our tuxedos. And (laughs) and it was like, I have so many great, great memories from that time. Oh, my God. I totally forgot how how many shots we stole. People... People should know that in, when you make independent films, you can't afford, for example, <laughs> to rent the subway <laughs> or to build or to build a fake subway. And so the term in uh, independent filmmaking is stealing shots. You show up with a camera, you ca- they call it running and gunning, and it's like you basically, I think the rules technically are you can't put a tripod down. And so you can legally film, but it's sort of like very nebulous <laughs> what the rules are. And so if your actors are game for doing it, it's fun. But sometimes your actors aren't game for doing it. And then you're sort of like, all right, what do we do? It's, I mean, it's like, for me, it's like, feels like we're, you know, breaking some laws, even though, you know, it's like the most innocent of things. I, I remember that we were having to be, uh, you know, really serious on the subway and like have this like serious look. We're all just kind of in thought. And um, the girl seated in the, I'm, I was just hanging on, uh, on the subway standing up and this girl wanted my attention, but I was just ignoring her because we were shooting and she was like, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was just not 
not acknowledging her, which felt weird, but also I was like, I can't mess up the shot. And then she knocked on my hand like it was a door. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Are you on the Big Bang Theory? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. But I just love that she knocked on me. Like, excuse me. <laughs> One of my fondest memories from Don't Think Twice is when it came out at South by Southwest. It was at the Paramount Theater which is actually one of the theaters I'm touring in the fall in Austin, Texas. And uh, I love that theater. But we, it was on the big screen and it was like, whatever, 1,200 people in the room. No one had seen the movie as a group before. And we were, the whole cast is there. And then afterwards, we went backstage and it was all of us, all the cast, and we we're all crying. Yeah, it was, that was... I've never had that with a movie or anything. I think it was just such a, like... The whole experience was, like, it sounds cheesy, but it was just so, I, at least I always was feeling like this is really special. Like, this is different. And the yeah. movie feels really special. And and it, I think that night, just, like, feeling, like, feeling the audience. And, and I think it was, like, received exactly how we had hoped. And, it, yeah, I think it was just like, almost like this relief of, like, you know, they liked it. We liked it. <laughs> yeah. You've been part of the folk comedy duo Garfunkel Notes for, I would say, going on 15 Almost, years? Almost, yeah. We started in 2007. So, yeah, whatever that math is, a long time. Yeah, 14 <laughs> so, years. Yeah. So my favorite song of yours of all time is Pregnant Women Are Smug. Right? <laughs> Pregnant women are smug. Everyone knows it. Nobody says it because they're pregnant. And then you got pregnant. Uh, yeah. And you now have a baby boy and and uh, or a, ba- a boy. A bo- he's I yeah. Should, he's I, getting to yeah. be not so much a baby boy anymore. He's yeah. He's like a. My husband cut his hair a week and a half ago, and he went from being like a baby to like oh, he's a boy. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's totally a boy. And uh, but my question is, when you were pregnant, were you smug? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I'd like to think I wasn't smug, but who knows? I mean, I guess you'd have to ask the people that were around me. I was, I was uh, mostly just like terrified the whole time. (laughs) I wasn't really, I was really nervous uh, as a pregnant person. And then the last three months of my pregnancy, I I could hardly breathe. Um, So I was just kind of, it was, it wasn't easy it hasn't really been, it was, you know, so I, I don't know. I think I was just constantly worried about uh, just like the medical aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, but. Um, sounds sounds like you've, you learned a lot from your pregnancy about your mean, mean lyrics. <laughs> you know, what's so, such a bummer is we never <laughs> got to sing that song while I was pregnant. It would have been really funny because I always play the pregnant person in the song, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I, uh. It was it was more it was a terrifying experience being pregnant. I think. I mean, I had like a few months where I was like, okay, I'm, I think I'm okay, and I got to work a little bit, but then then yeah, I I just had a really tough last trimester, and then um, yeah, Mikey, he was born in January of 2020, and then we had the pandemic, yeah. and so it's oh my been it was a weird, it's been weird, <laughs> but it's yes. been weird for yeah, everyone. Yeah. So I can't really um, yeah, you know. Everyone's felt some version of uh, a strange time, but how, how do you? You, I have to say, like 
when I think about you, you know, we've been friends since the movie. Yeah. So we've been friends for five years. And, and like, when I think of you, I think of you as one of the most multi-talented people who I've ever encountered. So like, you draw, you play music, you write lyrics, you write jokes, you write scripts, you like, and I always wonder how, how do you decide what to allocate your time to? I honestly, it's, it's, Something, well, thank you for saying that, but also I, I struggle <laughs> with it so much and I always have because I, I just don't know where to put my energy and my focus. And, yeah. but, but then, yeah, because like I could, there's so many things I love to do and I get caught up in one thing or another. And sometimes like, you know, if, if something catches on and it's, you know, work related, I'll, I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next three months or like it's sort of yeah. laid out for me. But then there are other times where I'm just like, okay, what's the next thing? I don't know. And that's sort of where I'm at now because, uh, I mean, Ricky and I, we're working on some projects together, which is um, very exciting. But then other than that, it's sort of like, what what do I, I want to do? I think you can talk about that, by the way, because I saw it on oh, the yeah, internet. Oh, yeah, we're making uh, an animated musical for Netflix, which is super exciting. That's so fun. Yeah, it was really cool because we um, we sold it prior to the pandemic, and then it was, you know, it's animation and it's writing, so it's something we could work on during, you know. So uh, it's been a nice thing to have to be able to, you know, get to work on that. And we wrote all the songs, and it's... It's very exciting. Amy Poehler's company is producing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Is, it like, is it like an animated version of yourself? No, it's actually, it's a fairy tale story kind of flipped on its head. And, um, oh, wow. Has, it, it's a really beautiful story. Ricky wrote the script and um, we, we worked on the story together and all the songs together. So, yeah, so that's something we've been working on. And uh, it was sort of a nice thing to have because I, I had really bad postpartum depression after uh, which wasn't helped by the fact that I couldn't see anybody either. Right, and, um, sure. And, you know, it's funny because I had seen your show, the new one, so many times. One, yeah. And But nothing actually prepares you for when you oh have gosh. a baby in your house. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I didn't know I'd have to wake up so much. <laughs> and then lack, yeah, yeah, the, totally. the sure. lack of sleep was just so hard. And this also, generally, I'm, I, I had never really dealt with depression in on this level you know so so then after a few months getting to work Ricky and I started writing music again and that for for the movie and that really kind of helped pull me out of it in a way that was like okay what who am I what do I do (laughs) you know it's so it's so funny you should say that about like there's no there's no amount of preparation that can prepare you for the things that you feel after you have a child and like I was talking to a friend yesterday who just said, whose son is nine months old and is just like, you know, I saw your show a few times. I read the book and I knew, and I, but I didn't know. There is no way to know. It's it's so weird and it's awful. <laughs> like, I, it's the worst. And it's the worst because it's fundamentally the opposite of what you're told yeah. you're supposed to feel. Yeah, it's almost like in movies when you see, like, new parents. It's, like, it's almost the same idea how movies portray, like, love. Like, you know, it's, like, oh, yes. so great. Yes. It's, like, uh, it's it's terrifying and uh, miserable. At least that was my experience for a while. No, I, by the way, <laughs> at least that was my experience is, <laughs> is my new mantra. 
<laughs> especially talking about having kids because it's the ultimate third rail. Like the moment you say like, like the moment, you know, you say something as being a universal involving having kids, people lose their minds because everyone's experience is obviously so different. And they're right. There isn't a single universal. However, <laughs> however, uh, the thing that I describe in the show, which is like this thing where people are like, isn't it the most joy you've ever experienced? And you sort of have to, sometimes you're like, yeah, and you're lying. And then sometimes <laughs> you're like, actually, it's sort of complex, you know? And But, but some people don't want to talk about how it's complex, which I think applies to like really like all types of like experience. Yeah. Like all, like there's so many types of experiences in life where people project onto you what they want your experience of something to be. But when it's not, if it, if by chance it's not that, there's a sort of like, uh, almost a rejection of what your experience of it is. Yeah, totally. But I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I should have known, but it's, <laughs> but there's no way to know. Like, what was it? How would you describe the depression? Can you, if you're comfortable? Yeah, talking about no, it? I, I'm, I, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like I do want to talk about it more and more because I feel like it's so common. And I, do, I think people are talking about it a little bit more, but it, I feel like, you know, in general, but uh, yeah, I, I just, for the beginning, maybe first two months, couldn't stop crying. Like, couldn't. Oh and I I knew something was wrong, and I went to a therapist that was supposed to uh, specialize in this type of thing. Yeah. And um, she was like, okay, well, um, you know, do you do you want to kill your baby? And I was like, oh my gosh. no, I don't at all. <laughs> like, that, she's like, those thoughts don't come. And I'm like, no, that is not a thought in my head. She goes, I wow. think you just have the baby blues. And I was like, Okay, like that sounds cute. <laughs> like, like wow. so I, you know, I'm, I, who knows, I might have benefited from some kind of medication or something. I'm not sure, but I it just took a lot, a lot of months to kind of come out of it. And um, yeah, I think, you know, in writing, writing with Ricky was really helpful, but I think what I was doing was I was struggling. It was almost like I just didn't feel bonded to my son. Like I just, he's mm-hmm. so sweet and so cute, but I just was like, who is this guy? You know, right. <laughs> that's in my well, no, Kate, room. I think I think a lot. I think a lot of that is his personality. <laughs> a lot of that is on him. I think. You know, <laughs> he also like I always always wanted to be a mom, but whenever I would imagine it, I'd imagine it. I'd like I always envisioned having a son, so I was very excited that I had a son. But I'd I'd always imagine that. He like we were going to the museum together, playing with Legos. Like I imagined yeah, a yeah. kid. I didn't imagine a baby. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, there is this step. Yes. Um, and I think you know all the stuff breastfeeding. I thought I was gonna love it. I thought it was gonna be so cool yeah. and bonding. And I instead felt claustrophobic all the time. I was like, what is this guy doing on me? Like it was. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So none of it felt good in the beginning, really. Which is you know I I wish it had been different, but. I, you know, I think it's just such a blur. And I, I think, um, and then when I started working a lot with Ricky, that was really helpful, but I was sort of ignoring my, like, I was like, not, I was like just diving into my old life as much as I could to feel good. But then I was like, wait, I have to figure out how to be a mom. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And, um, but now I feel like I, I think there was a real shift in the fall for me. So like, you know, maybe when he was turning like, 
you know, closer to one that I was like, okay, wait, I've really got to spend some time and figure this out. And, um, and it's been really good. Like now I, I'm, I'm so much happier and he's really awesome. And we're so, so attached, <laughs> but it took a while. It took a long while. And also well, I did a like, ton of therapy, which was helpful. Well, it so. sounds like he became better as a son. Yeah. And I think he, he had a lot of work to do himself. Yeah. I think. And then once he did that work, you were able to do your work. Right. I was reading one of your cartoons on Instagram, which by the way, on Instagram, you have a photo of yourself topless, and I believe in your backyard, from the perspective of a drone. <laughs> yeah. And um, no real explanation of what the photo is about. And I almost <laughs> was going to call you and be like, what is this exactly? You know, that was at the end of the day of a photo shoot, and the the photographer had this like vision of this drone and like, I was like, yeah, let's go for it. That's and then she posted so it funny. and I was like, why not repost it? Um, but yeah, it's just kind of was a, a, a silly thing to be like, you know, a drone coming into your house. And was it, what, well, was it was also was it filmed kind of based from a drone? On, uh, no, I don't wait. Was it actually, they, it they does had look the drone. very high up in the air. I think I think the camera was above it's an the aerial shot. I don't remember. It's an aerial shot of you, I believe, topless in your own backyard. Yeah. If I were to guess. Yes. About four backyards ago because we moved oh a gosh. lot. Oh, my gosh. We moved four times last year. Yeah. Um, but, I, but, yeah, I, I think it was also kind of based on a story where I was sunbathing topless on my roof at my old loft, and the— cops came oh my on god no no <laughs> what yeah I, and i and they were saying get off the roof get off the roof and i was like there's no way they're talking to me because this is like my apartment building that i like pay like it's not you know and uh they were circling and they kept they went came back around and they said it again and i was like i guess they are talking wow. to me and so i got off the roof i don't know but i had told the, the photographer Kate, that story. is that the end of the story of, 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 the, of the cops circling my room. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that photographer, Elizabeth Karen, she had heard that story and she was like, maybe we could do something that's like that <laughs> with a drone. I was on your Instagram and there was a, there's a beautiful drawing that you did. And it says, when life hands you lemons, make a lemon for it. Some of them might get moldy, but that's okay. And I was just like, first of all, all your cartoons are so one of a kind. They're all, they're so Kate Micucci. <laughs> they're just so your own deal. And second of all, I thought, like, do do you ever contribute these to The New Yorker or to publications or anything? Because they're so good. Uh, Thank you. I want to. You know, I should. I just really should. I'm not a great follow through-er <laughs> as far as like I like I have just so many things like in these bins and like in yeah. closets and like I'm I, it, the thing like the act of making something is so exciting yeah. to me. But then the pressure of then doing something with it I I I get I get stuck and that's my I it's something I need I'm gonna to work call on. that I'm gonna Kate I'm gonna call that and I hope you don't find this offensive post art depression <laughs> post artem depression 
I know. Postpartum depression. That that's a great book. That's postpartum depression. And I apologize if that's offensive to people who have experienced both postpartum depression and postpartum depression. But we're we're laying it down right here, right now. We've coined it. It's trademark. Don't you dare try to trademark. We got the URL. We got the .com. We got the .biz. I wrote it all down, put it in an envelope, and mailed it to I myself. I mailed it to myself. So. <laughs> That's being, Did you do that as a people, kid? Like, if you had a great idea, I would always mail ideas to myself because then I'd be like, okay, they're copyrighted in some That's, way. That I, I always have heard that as urban legend, but I don't even know if it's true. I don't know either. Nobody, <laughs> I, I don't no think idea. anyone knows. <laughs> I don't know if that would hold up in a court of law. Um, uh, yeah, who knows? And who knows what those ideas are <laughs> that I had and that I mailed to myself. Check the mail. Check the mail for your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're feeling postpartum depression. <laughs> okay, this is a thing called the slow round. Um, what's the best piece of advice that anyone's ever given you that you used? Okay, this is, so I was... Eight, I was turning 18. It was my 18th birthday. And my mom and I went to the Today Show in New York where we held up a sign. Hilarious. I've done the uh, same. I've done yes. that. I did the same thing when I was 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just so exciting. You know, I, I, I grew up about, you know, two hours, a two-hour bus ride away from New York City. So my mom and I would take the bus in and, like, always go on fun adventures. And we went there for my 18th birthday. I was holding up a sign that said, I'm 18 today, you my know. Gosh. And Ann Curry came over and she said, oh, congratulations. You know, like, what? what's your plan now? You know, she was just talking to us in, like in between a commercial break. And that question always made me crumble. As an 18-year-old, I was like, I don't know. I have all these things yeah, I want to sure. do. But I was very afraid to to say like what my actual dreams yeah, were. You know, I like, like to say like, I want to act and I want to like make art. Like it just felt like, oh, I should say I want to, be an art teacher because that seems like something people would believe. Oh, you know, I didn't yeah. know what to do. So uh, she asked me and, and I like just started to crumble and I wanted to cry. Like every time that question always made me want to cry. And I think she could see that in my eyes. And she said, you know, uh, she was like, I feel like, you." no, she said, she said, you could have a dream and go for it because even if you don't end up doing that, it'll at least have gotten you to the next place. Oh my place. gosh, yes, and yes, yes, yes. That's exact. I, I love that advice. Yeah, and as an 18-year-old, it blew my mind. And I was like, yes, Ann Curry, you're so right. Thank you. And I'll never forget that because I still kind of think about that. Like, okay, you know, at least I'm going in a direction and, you know, it's you don't have well, to, all, anything also, can happen. by the way, it's fundamentally all of these things that, let's say, I'll just like bring up some things that like you do, for example, like let's say you're working on cartooning or you're working on music or you're working on comedy writing or you're working on acting or um, all of those things. The more you do them, the better you get at them and the better sense you have for the craft of anything. I mean, it all helps. I grew up playing classical piano and I apply the way I learn or, you know, music to to acting all of the time. Like, I, I think I dissect a script in the same way I dissect, dissect a piece of music. And it's like I, you know, so love that. that training led to another thing. One you know? of the best pieces of advice anyone ever gave me was my, my writing professor in college, John Glavin, said, take a drawing class. 
Wow. And, and I was like, no, I'm bad at drawing. And he said, it doesn't matter if you're good at drawing. It's about understanding the concept of framing. And I actually attribute it to being a movie director at all. Because once I understood the concept of framing, I was like, oh, I understand how film frames work. That's a, that makes so much sense. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Like, I think any any kind of class, well, it all it all is leads into the next all, thing. You it's know, it's all connected, man. <laughs> Somehow, bro, 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 bro. Whoa, this is blowing my mind. Kate, you gotta chill out. We're all connected. Like you're experiencing <laughs> postpartum depression right now, but you're not gonna feel that forever. Eventually, that's gonna go away. Post- you know, it's funny how you're saying, like, after you make something. I mean, you. I'm sure you've experienced that feeling of, like, after, you know, wrapping a movie or, or you know, it's, a, it's something, especially when you're directing, it takes so much of your life, years, yeah. you know. And then when it's done, there's always that that depression of, like, oh, okay, we did it. <laughs> now Wait, I think you're talking about postpartum depression. Uh, oh, that's it. That's right, Mike. <laughs> I know. I always feel it. Jen's whole thing, whenever I go through it, whenever I finish a big project of any kind, Jen's whole thing is she goes, uh, you have to go on stage somewhere because this energy is not working around the house. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a slow round question that is inspired by the book Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott that I love. Gary Goleman recommended it on this podcast, and I love it. But it, she says, describe a, a, a school lunch from when you were a kid. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, in high school, almost my entire high school, I had the same lunch, which was I would pack it myself in the morning, peanut butter and jelly, and a can That's of Coke. That's hilarious. That's it. And it would be in my brown bag, and by the time I got to lunch, it was kind of just like, wrapped around the Coke. <laughs> like it was like a, a flat sandwich that had been sort of like smushed into. And uh, it's just sugar, really. I'm just trying to imagine. I love the imagery of it. It's like, it's like a, it's almost like clay against a Coca-Cola. Basically. Peanut butter and jelly, yeah. cl- like bread clay against a Coca-Cola. Like just peeling it off this like, you know, sandwich bag. And I, one folded napkin, I, can just picture it perfectly. Yeah, and it was sort of unfair because lunch was at like one fifteen, and I got on the bus at six o'clock in the morning. And so I would be so hungry <laughs> by one fifteen. It seems unfair. There was never like a break for a snack. And I was such a rule follower that I didn't like, you know, take my own snack. Like there wasn't a snack time. So I didn't, you know... Yeah, so I'd be starving by the time lunch came around. And do you still eat that to this day? Peanut butter and jelly and you Coke? Know, uh, not as much. I, I today had a peanut butter and banana, so I really do switch it up. Um, <laughs> I did have a peanut butter and banana sandwich for lunch. Do you remember a period in your life where you weren't authentically yourself? Like, like you look back and you sort of cringe. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I... I <laughs> I, in high school, there were these really cool girls that were also, um, they played, I was in, I played trombone in the marching band and cool. they also played low brass, baritone, <laughs> uh, horn and trombone. And, um, I just thought they were so cool and I, they were older than me and I wanted to impress them. And, uh, I don't know that they smoked pot, but 
I was a very, very sheltered kid. Also, I always looked way younger. Like as, you know, when I was 14, I probably looked 10. Like I always just looked much younger than I, and was tiny. So like carrying a trombone around was sort of funny. But I wanted to impress them. And I remember them talking about pot and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like they know what that's like. And I remember them saying, yeah, if you roll down the hill at the park, like roll your whole body down the hill, by the time you get to the bottom, you're gonna feel like you're high. And I was like, wow, they know what it feels like to be high. This is so cool. So um, that weekend, my mom and I, well, we would, as a family, always go to the flea market. And there was uh, like all this jewelry and there was this pot leaf, gold pot leaf chain. Like, and I asked my mom, can I get this necklace? And she said, sure. And so I bought this, this marijuana is, necklace. This is phenomenal. And, and then I wore it to school <laughs> and I was like really hoping that the girls would notice and they did. And I was like, yeah, no, like, you know, I, I, I think it's cool. Like, you know, just trying to play it real, you know, like I was in, in on it. And then, um, and then I wore that necklace for my school picture. Oh my gosh. So. You know, what's so funny is like a lot of your, so you have the, 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 the marijuana leaf story and then you have, yeah, and then you have the, the woman at the Today Show giving you advice because you're you said yeah. art teacher just because you thought that sounded like something that you'd someone would want you to say, and then you talk yeah. about like having postpartum depression because you're not experiencing the thing that people want your motherhood to feel like essentially, but it's like a th- but it seems like a recurring theme. But maybe I'm reading in. I I mean yeah I guess so I mean in some way I, I think. I always, I, I feel like I have a pretty good center for the most part of like a, like who I am, but then then I'll get thrown out of it, like having a baby. Then I was like, whoa, who am yeah. I? And I'm still kind of like, who am I? I think for the past year, every week, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling feeling more like myself. I think I say that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying it, but uh, but yeah, I think I think that like there's always certain things in my life that I can sort of do and feel like, oh, yes, this is me. And, like, one of them is just listening to the Broadway uh, channel on Sirius, like any yeah. kind of Broadway music. I, I love Broadway so much. Um, in fact, Ricky and I are working on a Broadway show wow. right now, which is very exciting. Um, but I, I, so it's like that to me, like, like the things I love, like, like watching I Love Lucy, like that is such a centering thing for me because I love it so much. And I feel like it's like a part of my DNA from when I was a kid. Yeah. And like certain things like that will help me to like get centered again. I know that maybe sounds crazy, but, um, but yeah, there's, you know, I think everybody probably has times like that where you get thrown off out of your shoes. Sure. <laughs> out of your shoes. I've never heard that phrase. I like that. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> That's, that, you know. That's a cartoon. When you get, a lot of people, when they get postpartum depression, is they, one of the symptoms of it is they get thrown out of their shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I didn't even fit in my shoes after I had Mikey because my feet were so fat. They like blew up like balloons. <laughs> this is like my favorite thing about spending time with you is that, is that, if you throw in a non sequitur into a conversation, usually it just sits there. But with you, you just run with it. <laughs> Do you have a memory from your childhood that, like, you think about sometimes, but it's not a story? It's just sort of like a thing that uh, you go remember and you go, oh, yeah, sort of thing. 
you know, it's funny because I, I listened, I started listening to your podcast and I'm going back now. I'm like listening to all of them. And uh, when you asked this, the first thing I thought of the first time I heard you ask this question was when I was in seventh grade, my I, my parents wanted me go, to go to the school dance. And I was like, no, I don't want to go to the school dance. It felt scary to me and sure. I just had no interest. And my dad said, I'll give you $5 if you go to the dance. <laughs> and so my dad bribed me and I... <laughs> I went there and I wore my Phantom of the Opera t-shirt. You know that like classic one that has just the mask? It's like this sure, giant mask. Course. And it was a glow-in-the-dark mask. So it's this huge kind of glowy wow. shirt. Um, and I wore jeans and like a braided belt. I remember it so well. Um, but I just did not participate at all. I didn't dance at all. I sat in the bleachers of the gym oh. where the dance was happening. And I just quietly sang Phantom of the Opera oh to myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so weird. And it does pop in my head, like, you know, a few times a year, if not more. And I'd always be like, wow, that was so weird. I was, I I, I did not like seventh grade. Seventh grade's <laughs> hard. A rough time. Really hard. You get thrown in, at least with my school, there were so many new students that were thrown in. And, um, you know, I, it was just, I was out of my element. I felt so comfortable in sixth grade and then, you know, seventh grade really threw me for a loop. I think similarly, like I went to Shrewsbury Middle School in seventh grade and yeah, we had those dances and and you just, my, my memory of it is, I remember the DJ, it said it on the ticket, DJ Buzz Boyda. <laughs> I still, I don't know why I still remember that. DJ Buzz Boyda. Yeah, I know, right? What's Buzz That's Boyda so doing funny. these days? Still at the school dances, I guess. No, probably not. But I remember like thinking like um, everyone else, and I, of course, this is I think what everybody feels as an adult. You can look back and, and it seems so obvious, but it's like I felt like everyone else seems to know what they're doing here and I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah. I, I didn't even want to be yeah. there. Like it was just um, – yeah, I didn't want to take the bus. My dad would drive me in his van, his work van. It's like with all electrical equipment in it because my dad's an electrician. And um, he would drive me to middle school every day and we'd listen to Howard Stern on the wow. way there. And I thought that was really wow. cool. Yeah, and there were certain times he'd have to turn it off um, <laughs> depending on what the subject matter was. But uh, <laughs> I just have these really clear memories of driving in the in the electric van to seventh grade. But um, yeah, I, I, I didn't... I just wasn't ready. I, I think I fought growing up the entire time, you know, just I didn't want to grow up. So uh, I'm working on, this is like the material section of the show. And I'm, um, every night before I go to bed, I write in a gratitude journal. And so far it's empty. Uh, but no, it's, <laughs> uh, it's chock full of stuff like seeing my daughter's eyes light up the first time she tasted pizza or sharing an inside joke with my wife about our cat Mazzy or even just like drinking a cup of coffee alone in the grass on a day that's not too hot, not too cold. And a few years ago, I'm writing in my gratitude journal about how I was teaching Una how to play soccer and that Jen had suggested that Una and I play soccer on the same team, which is how I learned that it's more fun to score a goal with your daughter than to defeat her by a margin of 15 to 1. <laughs> so, so Una and I are dribbling down the field, and it's daddy to Una, Una to daddy, daddy to Una, score, Una, 
Gol! Gol, 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 gol! Una birbilia! So now I'm out of breath, uh, which was unusual because we'd only <laughs> been playing for five minutes. And then I wrote that in my gratitude journal. <laughs> so that's just something I, I just wrote down this week and I'm, I'm toying with in the show. I, I, I love your, ch- your chanting. Go, 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 like, go, go, go! There's almost something you could do where that just goes on for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, isn't that funny? Like, I'm sure you find this with Garfunkel and Oates over the years. Is like you see how long an audience will let you do something. Until they, yes, until they get mad or you feel the turn. Oh, my gosh. And that, t- to me, is so thrilling. It's, I love it. Because when you sense the anger and the the uncomfortable, yes. like, oh, the motions in the seat, like, yes. oh, this is still happening. And it's like, you kind of then, you know, you can learn where the point is where you have to switch I love that. over. But like, I love that. Well, it's funny because um, uh, Mabel, who works on the show, I was telling her that bit, and she said— and and this was an interesting like flag of caution. She goes, maybe don't say gratitude journal, just say journal. Cause I do, I do actually do both. I write in my journal, I write in a gratitude journal. But she was saying that like the connotations of a gratitude journal are a little bit like, I don't know, sort of like new agey in this way that might not be might be misleading. That that's interesting. Yeah, it's a little bit more uh I don't know. I picture it being like having like a very frilly kind of flowery <laughs> type of my gratitude journal. Yeah, where a journal does sound. Yeah, she might be right about that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but it is. I mean, I, I do. But it's also very sweet that you have a gratitude. I mean, maybe that you talk about that's, that. I think like, that's what it is. I think I need to discuss it yeah, more. I think so too. I Because, yeah, I don't know anyone that has a gratitude journal. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think talking about that would be good. Because well, it's like I started doing it because – um, so much of what I write in my journal is, is just like, is you know, it's just like, I wish I had more time to read books. You know what I mean? Like, you know, angry about whatever thing. And it's, and it's, <laughs> and it's like, I, the gratitude journal was an attempt to go in the other direction. Yeah, all the positive Positive comments go in this one, and then all the sad, mad stuff goes but in the I, other. But it's interesting because journaling, for me, like we're talking about depression, it's like sometimes when I have depression, I write in a journal because like putting, it's like a cognitive therapy exercise by putting putting down sort of my most angry or like emotional thoughts, I can sort of see them on the page and contextualize them in like my larger sort of existence. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's so like, again, this might sound new agey or whatever, but it's really powerful to write something down and to have it in writing. So like, I mean, I think too, I've always like writing down your intentions or your plans. Like Ricky and I used to do this thing when we first met and we did it for years and years where we would just go to the California pizza kitchen (laughs) and write down our goals. Oh, I love that. And we would share our goals with each other. And it's really like incredible to have someone to kind of hold you accountable for those goals. And also it's like scary to share your goals with someone. I love and that. And so we would, we would write them down on a napkin and then keep them in our wallets or our purses oh. and then like check in with each other. Um and so yeah, I think I think that like something like that like just writing down whenever you write something down it's like it it gives it's it more power. It's a covenant. Power. Well, yes. you know, when I wrote don't think twice, I had had the idea in my mind for about a year or two and I hadn't 
committed to writing the script pages. And finally, I had this reckoning with myself where I, where I said to myself, wait a minute, I show up to lunch meetings with people who I'm working for. I'm, I show up to my acting gigs or whatever the thing is, but I'm not showing up for myself. And so I decided to set, uh, to put a, a note, I put a little note card next to my bed that said, Mike, 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 exclamation point. You have a meeting at 7 a.m. at Cafe Pedlar with your mind. And, <laughs> and then I would show up every, I would show up to my meeting with myself. And I wrote that script in like probably like three months of meetings with myself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing. Like, it's hard to make time for your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can, you can plan to meet with anyone else for lunch, but then when it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta actually do this. It, it's, yeah, you have to, if it's written down, you'll do it. Do you have anything that you're working on that you want to bounce off of me? You know, I I have a few cartoons. Wait, I would love that. Um, there is one that I've been trying to figure out in my brain. But do you do this thing where you're like, oh, I'm sure this already exists. Like, there's no way that I'm the person that came up with I this. I think about that all the and time. I always, I always Google the thing. Uh, I need. I, I come up with, with ideas and then I go, someone must have thought of this. And I Google it. And if there's nothing obvious, I go, well, I don't know. I guess it's not out yeah. there. And then people will let you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's shy about that, no. Especially yeah. with the internet. <laughs> but I have this like idea for a cartoon where it says, for those of you who believe the vaccine has a chip in it, sorry to inform you, you've already been chipped and you're staring at that chip right now. And it's a picture of someone looking at their phone. Oh, I love that. You yeah. know, and then maybe, and maybe, I don't know, it would say Twilight Zone, but no, maybe not. But I, I, because it's Why you know, would it say Twilight all, Zone? <laughs> it's like you're staring at the chip, and then because like, if they're if they're looking at the cartoon on their phone, it's like the chip is their phone. I right. don't know. It's but, uh, <laughs> but and maybe at the end of it, you could say, and by and by reading this message, you will be charged five dollars to your credit card or something like that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that it's like, yeah, that, or. Uh, and they, yeah, they also know that you ate at Chipotle uh, two hours ago or whatever. I don't know. I mean, uh, or you could say like, or you could say like, um, um, click here to accept terms and conditions. Oh, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> um, do you have any other cartoons that you're working on? Um, these are just one. Let me see. Um, I have one. I, I was trying to crack this where it's like, so one time I actually, I, I had a list of things to, like, a to-do to yeah. list, and one of the things was car wash, and it was a beautiful day, so I walked to the car wash, and then I got there, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you need to have your car. Like, I, in my brain, I was so tired, and I wasn't, like, that you, but oh it's, it's sort of a hard thing to figure that's out. That's <laughs> hilarious. Wait, that's a, is that a true story? Of, yeah. I, and you were trying to I figure just, out how to like, make it a cartoon. Yeah, because it's really complicated. Like, but one time I was so tired, I walked to the car wash, and it just ha- and then it shoots. Okay, the so it says gone, one oh. time I was so tired, I walked to the car wash. 
but you, I kind of have to explain that my intention was to wash my car. Um, I guess maybe I could just write that with the intention the of washing wash my car. What about know. one day? I, one day I was so tired I walked to the car wash and realized that you need to have a car. <laughs> yeah, something like that <laughs> to wash. Yeah. Or while my dirty car sat in the driveway or something. I don't know. How do you, do you, Did, do you work from pictures or from the caption, the cartoon caption? You know, I, I often just start drawing and I don't really have a plan yeah. and it just starts to happen. Um, but I also kind of get in a fog where I just, it's, it's, it's like that kind of state of just, I don't yeah. know where exactly it comes, but, um, but it's, it's normally, normally like, I just start drawing. Yeah. Like I, you know, I don't know. You like, well, that's how, that's how I, I call it my, like, whatever. A lot of people call it this morning pages, but like, I'll just start writing about what I'm thinking about. And then usually by the end of the writing, I realize what it is I'm writing about. Yeah. I, I could do that sometimes. Like, I'll look back on cartoons and be like, wow, I know exactly what this is about now, but I had no idea, you know. What about? Like, I was in a, in, a relationship that I felt really kind of trapped by. And there were so many, like, like kind of just, like, just weird, like, trapped cartoons. Like, you know, oh, like, wow. I'm in a cage. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating. So you, <laughs> yeah. like, learned that about yourself, I, that that's how you were feeling. Later, I was like, I know exactly what this is, but at the time— Do you I have any know. more? Do you have any more? Oh, yeah. But but did you want to do no, some no, more? No, no, I'll do—I'm I'll do, have- going to do one more in a second, and then I'll, you, you could do a couple more now if you want. Um— you know, this one sort of has like a a bit of like you know new parent material, which I feel like you you are so good at. But um, I didn't know I would be this tired. I didn't know I would love you this much. I didn't know poop could fly. <laughs> and then it's just like poop oh flying my God. in the air. <laughs> That's so sweet. It can fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw it. Happen. What um? What else do you have? do? You have another one there? Yeah, I have um. This is so stupid. Uh, <laughs> since the pandemic happened, we don't have to shake hands anymore. I'd rather greet you with a kick and a snap and a shimmy shimmy boom boom. Oh, my boom. gosh. I don't know. And that's so funny. That's and then so the drawing st- is like you dancing, <laughs> doing yeah, the shimmy shimmy boom boom. Shimmy boom boom. Um, that that's is, just silly. I love that. You know what's so funny? You saying this is so stupid. I feel like whenever I pitch jokes to my brother or my friends or Peter Mabel, my director, so often I'm prefacing it with, this is so stupid. But then like, <laughs> but then like one in 10, this is so stupids is great. Yeah. Like here's one of my, this is so stupids. Okay, great. Kids grow up so fast, but not as fast as blue whales. <laughs> I know that's so blue good. Whales gain, Blue whales gain about 30 pounds a day, and that's got to be an existential crisis for those whale parents. Like, it feels like just yesterday you were 30 tons, and now you're 90 tons. Time flies when you eat 700 pounds of krill a day and have 400 weird teeth plates. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I thought that that it was done at— at the at the first sentence, I thought that was it's it. Not, but then when you expand, I mean, because that alone is funny. <laughs> but you know, what? but then, but you, but then, hearing all the stuff is great. The the actual. But facts. you know what? Like I, as I'm as I'm running it by you, I'm like maybe it just lives on its own. Kids grow is up that, so fast, but I, not as fast as blue whales. And then you move on to the next joke. Yeah, 
describing that to me is really that, funny. By the way, that's, a, that's precisely the audience thing. The audience tells you if a joke is done or yeah. if there's room for more, and that might be just done. Yeah. I, I I mean, I, I like, because, you know, you just imagine whales grow up fast. Totally. <laughs> they're totally. They're enormous. <laughs> um, and then I, I, like and then I have one lot. more about Una, which is uh, my daughter had all this pain in the back of her knees, and so we took her to the pediatrician. But the doctor asked a question that was too open-ended. She said, Una, what's going on with you? And Una says, my knee hurts and it's my grandma's birthday. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) let's focus on the knee hurts part. Your grandma's had enough birthdays. It's not like I'm rooting against grandma, but I feel like we need to know the order of priority. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of how- My knee hurts and it's my grandma's birthday. Are there other things she said, or was that pretty much oh it? Because <laughs> I feel like you could go on and on with the, like the sweet, innocent things. Uh, well, that's the thing. This is I probably wrote this when she was three, and like, yeah, like it's, it's this thing about toddlers where everything has the same level of importance, mm-hmm. and so the you know kids will just be like, you know. And I have a, you know, and I have a blue shirt and I went swimming and grandpa is dead. (laughs) Yes. So the thing that we end on, Kate, is we, uh, the guest chooses a nonprofit that they think that is doing a good job. And then I contribute to them and I link to them in the show notes. That is, I thank you. I think that's the coolest thing. And you know, a, a charity that I often work with is Eight Two Six LA, yeah. which um, they have the Travel Mart in Echo Park, and they, you know, they really they help students often from like lower income uh, families uh, to have tutoring mm-hmm. and really help kids uh, with their creative side and you know with their creative writing and poetry. And um, I think it's it's such an important. Thing, especially with a lot of schools not having a lot of yeah. arts. So um, they do a great job, and I, I really love I love what they do over there. So that's often a charity that I, I that's support. That's a great organization, and uh, we're going to link to them in the show notes. And thanks, Thank thanks you. Kate, for, for being a part of this. You're always such a joy to talk to, and I'm so, uh, I feel so lucky that we're friends and that we've been able to work together, and hopefully we'll work on a bunch more stuff together. I would love it. I'm so grateful for you, Mike. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no... That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out with Kate Micucci. Once again, uh, follow her on Instagram. One of the best follows on Instagram is at Kate Micucci. Uh, uh, and if you follow me, I'm at Biggs, And I'm going to post some of her cartoons, and I think she is as well. She's a phenomenally, just a phenomenally talented person in so many ways. Uh, watch out for whatever she is doing next because she's she's wildly talented and just such a such a cool and fascinating person. Uh, our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks, as always, to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. The Bleachers' new album just dropped. It is 
beautiful. Uh, you should go back and listen to my episode with Jack Antonoff. It's a great episode. His new album is phenomenal. I think it's the best work they've ever done. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, comes out on paperback in September at your local bookstore. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created our radio fort. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're working it out. We're 50 strong. We'll see you next time.